A continent's love, a people changing the world. You're listening to the Voice of Africa podcast. We unearth compelling stories of trailblazers across disciplines of African descent. Learn from their strategies, challenges, and successes as you build your own vision-driven future. Hi there. In this interview, meet Kim Jade. In this podcast, we discuss Kim Jade's career, MTV Awards, KJ Productions, her ideal future of Africa, and much more. Let's get right into it. TVOA TV and podcast. Today, we have a very, very, very special guest with us who goes by the name of Kim Jade. She is a Zimbabwean media personality and business owner as well. Hello, Miss Kim. How are you doing? Hi, I'm so good. Thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me today. Sure. Thank you for taking the time out your day. <laughs> Can you tell us about your childhood growing up? Sure. So I was actually born and raised in Zimbabwe. I was born in the capital Harare and now and then grew up in Bulawayo, Zimbabwe, which is a small town, tiny school, 300 girls in the whole school, all girls, um, very small town, safe. And like, I remember with my brothers, we could ride our bikes out all day and then come back when the sun is down. And it's that kind of small, safe, like small town community, which is really amazing to grow up in. And then after that, I moved to South Africa, which for us was like a big deal because it's big city, big country, a lot more people, a lot more advanced. And this is where I came and got my honors degree in social work and psychology. So yeah, that's how I lived home. <laughs> and I was watching one of your interviews um, actually a couple of days ago when you were talking about you used to get bullied in school a lot. Can you mm-hmm. tell us a little background of that? I mean, it's really hard to believe now. A lot of people don't. When I say I used to be really, really shy um, and awkward and I don't know, I was just that kid in school that I didn't find my tribe or find my clique. And so I was often a loner. I would ask my teachers for extra homework. So I would just sit in the classroom at break time and not be forced to go outside with the kids. And I think that's why I was I think why I was bullied because I was different and I, you know, didn't really fit in. I wasn't sporty. I wasn't um, super academic. Um, And then when I moved to boarding school, that's really where I found more artsy, cultural people like me. And that's where I found my voice and was able to become more confident and own who I was and what made me different. Yeah. So I think my advice always is because a lot of kids talk about being bullied nowadays, especially with social media. And my, my chat is right now you feel like you can't fit in or you don't have the people around you that are like you, but just wait, you know, you will find your tribe, you will find your voice and those people that are just like you and that give you permission to be the person you truly are, you know? Right. Yeah. It just takes some time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So did you always want to be like an influencer growing up or a model? <laughs> um, Influence is pretty recent term, right? I mean, yeah, I when you chat to when you chat to the older generation, they're like, uh, "Influencer, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> what are you influencing?" <laughs> um, I I never knew this is what I wanted to do. When I moved to South Africa, I studied social work and psychology because I genuinely believed um, I was going to be a psychiatrist or work in the field of mental health or uh, working with communities. But God had other plans. I took a gap year because my course was really challenging and difficult. I worked for the Department of Education in my honors year. And at the same time, we were managing the student crisis um, hotline, 
which was basically students on the campus could call whenever they had trouble. And so I'm handling cases to do with abortion and attempted suicide, and it was really heavy. So I took a gap year after I got my degree to model part-time, to model, I was like, cool, I'm gonna do this. And that kind of became like a full career because I started being really good at it and earning some really good money. And it was a way to be financially independent. You know, um, back then the starting salary for a social worker was about 3,000 Rand, which is maybe $250, which a month. Jeez. Yeah, which really isn't much and it isn't enough to live off of. So because my family was still in Zimbabwe and I was in South Africa on my own with no family, I was like, cool, I need to do a hustle, something that will make money where I can be financially independent. So modeling was the answer. And that's how I got into that. <laughs> and like, it's actually a funny story because someone actually saw your picture on Instagram, yeah? And like reached mm -hmm. out to you to come in, you know, audition for like, was like a model type like this agency or something like that yeah oh oh i think the story you're talking about is um for mtv mtv okay yeah so i had i had my own fashion and travel blog yeah. and this is when i was still living in cape town and i made the move to johannesburg because i really was trying to get into tv but no agencies would represent me because people didn't know who i was basically um johannesburg and cape town i would make the comparison is like la and new york okay. right new york is like the joburg yeah. and cape town is like the la and so I made the move from like the LA to New York and no one knew who I was and life is completely different here. It's really fast paced. There's a lot more money to be made. Um, and it really is who you know. So I came to Joburg and kind of had no work for a really long time trying to break into the TV space. And the talent manager of MTV Africa at the time saw me on Instagram and she slid in my DMs and was like, look, we're looking for a new presenter on our show. It's a daily news show. Are you interested in coming in for a screen test? I was like, how are you over there? And that's, that's how I got my job. It was pretty amazing. <laughs> like, yeah, you mentioned um, MTV and everything. Did you have any you know, mentors that you could confide in this or her process? Or did you really like learn on the job? I mean, unfortunately, I didn't. And this is something that I'm hoping we're going to grow in Africa and in South Africa is to have more females reach out to other females and be that big sister or be that mentor that can provide experience and knowledge. Where I come from in Zimbabwe, we've never, ever had someone on MTV. We've never had, I mean, I've done some incredible, amazing things. And I'm the first from my country to ever do it. You know, like I was the first face of Revlon um, South Africa first Zimbabwean face and that was a big deal so for me I am the first to do a lot of these things and that's really amazing but also there's a lot of times you're like what the heck is going on like there's no roadmap to it and um yeah and females tend to be very competitive and have that energy of this is my spot if I share my knowledge and contacts I might lose my spot um things are changing now but when I got here, I really didn't have a mentor or a big sister or someone to help me out. In the past few years, I've been signed to Africa Creative Agency and my manager is Yvette Gale, who is just iconic and incredible. And she has this vast experience coming from the US and working in entertainment and music there. I mean, she's worked with people like Mary J. Blige and 50 Cent. And so, you know, she's become that person for me, that mentor and big sister to help me out. Wow, that's huge. So like, um how do you go about encouraging the youth these days of women that are trying to, you know, following your footsteps? Um, it's, I mean, I just genuinely just try and be honest about things. So when people ask you, how's the industry? No, no, no. A lot of people like to lead with the, 
it's incredible. It's fabulous and glitzy and glam. And I'm like, nah, my first two years in entertainment, I was broke AF. <laughs> I'm like, you need to use your social media. You need to use tools like this because the truth is people in entertainment here in Africa don't really get that much money if you're on TV or on radio. But where we do get a lot of money is through brand endorsements and you know using our social media as a marketing and advertising tool. So this is something I'm constantly pushing is that our social media platforms nowadays is our CV. It's our way of showing the world who we are, what we do, and we can reach international people. Like, I mean, even talking to you, it's through the power of social media. Do you know what I mean? So it's constantly just trying to be honest about how things really are and give practical tips on how to be better and how to improve, you know, because we do need more real, real life, like chats, like this is how it really is. And this is how you can navigate it. Yeah, especially like living in this social media type age where everything is so glorified or, you know, everyone gets the perception of the way we think really are. Having people like you is definitely essential. So how do you, or have you ever felt that you've had to like prove yourself or defy people's expectations of you, especially living or working in a male predominant you know, mm. environment or industry? Constantly. I mean, I don't know how much you know about the history of Zimbabwe, but at one point, our country was one of the strongest in Africa. We were known as the breadbasket of Africa. So even though we're half the size of South Africa, we were exporting food to the entire continent. And not only food, minerals, gold, you know, it was an incredibly strong country in the 80s. And through, through time, through different political leaders, um, our country's economy has, you know, tremendously crashed where we lost our own currency. There used to be the Zimbabwean dollar. It doesn't even exist anymore. And it got so bad that, you know, there were literally images circulating of you needing barrels and barrels of this money that was devalued just to buy a loaf of bread, wow. you know? And there are stories of how people would cross the Zambezi rivers infested with crocodiles just to get into this country, into South Africa. So that's how bad things got. And I come from that country. And to this day, people still make those jokes of, okay, do you have, do you have like barrels and barrels of money just to buy toiletries or just to get groceries? You know what I mean? It's constantly making fun of our country's economy and how bad things were. The truth is still, we have one of the best education systems on the continent. You know what I mean? And we're able to live and work anywhere in the world. There are some incredible Zimbabweans globally that are doing amazing things. We have people in Formula One. Denai Gurura is a Zimbabwean actress. A lot of people don't know from Black Panther. So yeah, it's just constantly just trying to shake off that negative stereotype, but also show people, yeah, we come from that country. It was really bad. It's still, it's going through a lot right now, but I'm still super talented and I'm here to prove myself. So, yeah. And I support you as well. Like, keep, keep Thank going. you. Sure. Um, can you explain your role at MTV and what's your daily routine like with being a presenter? Sure. So I actually left MTV three months ago to push my own business. I started my own production company called KJ Productions. Um, but my role there was, I was a TV host. Um, and we were very much, very active in creating all of the content. So for example, people, there wasn't a script. We would script ourselves. Um, there wasn't a makeup artist. We do our own makeup. There wasn't a stylist. We, we did our own styling. Yeah. So it really was um, super you're in charge of your own brand and your own image and it's up to you what you perceive, what you show the world. 
Um, so it was very hands-on and it was an incredible experience. I was there for over three years, uh, traveled the world, the most amazing things. I mean, um, we did Tomorrowland. I went to the MTV VMAs and covered the red carpet. So we've done some amazing things with MTV. And with that knowledge and experience that I learned while I was at Viacom, I decided I'm going to start my own company and be a female boss, you know? <laughs> wow, that's really cool. So, you know, you've been there for some time now and you won a couple of awards. What was your first award? How did that like form of recognition impact you or inspire you to do more? My first award was the Simba Mere Personality Award. Um, it's, Simba Mere is a, was a big personality in Zimbabwe. He's recently passed away. But to be, to be acknowledged by the Zimbabwean people that are living in South Africa was a big deal. So that was my first award. And that was really special because like, oh my gosh, people see me, they see what I'm doing. And that's really cool to get that from your country and your people is, is major. But I think the biggest one for me thus far has been making the Forbes Africa 30 under 30 list um, was a really big deal because I'm sure you know a lot of parents, for us African parents don't understand the creative world. They don't understand why you choose to be an entrepreneur as opposed to getting a steady nine to five that pays the bills, you know. Um, so to be recognized by Forbes, my dad, who's a lawyer, my stepdad, who's in mining, they were like, oh, okay, okay, so what you're doing is a real thing. Right <laughs> it's a real job. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You are still listening to the Voice of Africa podcast, unveiling a continental love, a people changing the world. In the rest of the interview, Kim shares the feeling of being named one of the representatives for Forbes Africa's 30 under 30 and her ideal future of Africa. Can you explain how you felt being, you know, called upon to be one of the 30 in Africa? Very, it's, um, I can explain have you heard of imposter syndrome? No, I haven't. So basically imposter syndrome is a thing that a lot of, um, major athletes or celebrities or actors, when they reach this level of recognition and people know who they are, they have this imposter syndrome where they're like, shit, I think like people are one day going to wake up and realize I ain't shit. Like I'm not this big a deal. <laughs> like I'm really just a normal like chick or human. Yeah. It's, it's that. It's like, I've just been keeping my head down and working and, and hustling for so long and really knowing what it is to be super broke and now to be financially independent and comfortable. Um, that was like, oh snap, they think I'm somebody. This is super cool, but also super oxy. <laughs> A very humbling experience, though. No, like it's been a long journey for you, I'm sure. Can you explain how, you know, what inspired you as that to stay committed to this career path after years of struggling to even get a gig? I think it was two years it took you when you were like pursuing modeling. Can you explain? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially I think in the modeling world, modeling and fashion. It's so incredible to look at where we are now, where you see in campaigns, brands are actively booking people of different body sizes and different ethnicities. And it's just the most beautiful thing. But when I started, it was the complete opposite. You had to be size zero, six foot tall in order to get any work. And I wasn't, I was a five foot something. I was curvy. I've um, developed blood in me. So I had a booty. Like that wasn't the norm. They were like, what is this short girl doing here? Somebody kick her out. It was tough for me to even get castings, let alone be booked for jobs. So um, I don't know, but there was something in me that I knew, I knew I was good at it. I knew when I'm on camera, I can perform and I can deliver far above these skinny girls that are super hot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
And I think that's what got me through it. Then coming to Joburg, it's just a feeling. I think, you know, how people talk about how you have a calling right. that it was, it's been my calling. And every step of the way, as soon as I tick off the like, okay, cool. I've been a successful working model. What's the next challenge? TV, shop, I'm on TV. Kill it, win numerous awards. What's the next challenge? Yo, I'm actually really interested in creating the TV and being in charge of, you know, putting out um, campaigns for brands. Cool, that's the next challenge. So that's where I am now, just trying to grow my business and my brand and continually challenging myself to, you know, push more, push harder, learn more, be better. That's And, you know, you're a big, huge sneakerhead. What's your favorite pair of shoes or like what shoes are you looking forward to come out? My favorite pair right now is a pair of tie-dye tie Jordan 1s. Jordan. I'm a Jordan 1 girl. Yeah. yeah. And it was a really hard pair to get. So in Africa, I mean, I know it's hard in the States, but they definitely release more numbers there than they do here, more units. So here it's really, really hard to get a pair of super sick sneakers, especially after um, that Michael Jordan docky dropped on Netflix. Everyone now I wants Jordan 1s. Everyone. I was never like a big like shoe guy, before, for example. Yeah. I watched a documentary myself. I was like, I have to go copy a pair of jeans. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, he's the GOAT. You know, you got to give the respect. I don't, I don't know if he's the GOAT. I think LeBron is, might be the GOAT. Are you the LeBron? Okay, cool. I see you. I see you. I don't mind that. We're not going to fight. We'll agree on that. Also, LeBron's street style is just so killer. I can't even. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> I rate that a lot. Um, you know, is it difficult to keep a balance, keeping your audience entertained while using your platform to talk about serious issues? I know two days ago, you were talking about what happened in Zimbabwe. Mm -hmm. is, it, is it challenging? Yeah. Um, I don't think so if you're being you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. People do feel the pressure to put on a facade of having a perfect life and everything is great and my followers are, like if I only posted sneakers and fashion pictures and only spoke about that, that would be fine because that is a part of my life. But I feel a responsibility being a Zimbabwean and being someone that has this platform to speak about issues that really matter to me. So I do talk about body positivity. I do talk about what's going on back home. I do talk about, you know, the, there was xenophobic attacks in the past few years on foreigners living in South Africa. And I'm a foreigner living in South Africa. So it's my responsibility to speak on those issues, I feel, you know? And so, I don't know, it, ju it just would, it wouldn't feel right if I didn't, if I kept quiet while people back home are being arrested and put in jail and abducted from their homes just for peacefully protesting against what's what's wrong the injustices you know i just think the best advice you can always give to somebody that has a platform is be extremely genuine and extremely honest and and speak from your heart you can't go wrong for speaking from your heart and i do get a lot of backlash on it like who the f is this girl you're talking about zim but you're living in south africa do you do even really love your country that kind of stuff and it's like shop i mean haters will always hate but if you right, just right. Be, stay an authentic human being you know that's there's nothing wrong with that no and i definitely respect that you know you're using your voice to talk and, and touch on these subjects a lot too because not everyone is doing that um Thank you, you. you just mentioned that like you can't really go wrong with that i think i might disagree on you with that and uh connie has been Yo, okay, listen. <laughs> I, I'm with you. Yo, the whole world is like cringe. And I'm a major Kanye fan. But also, like, shame. I think I saw a post recently 
where uh, that said Kanye cries on camera and the whole world makes it a meme. But what's really great about it's it's really horrible how it's happened. But what's great is that it's encouraged us as people of color to start seriously having this conversation about mental health because what he's going through is very serious, you know. And being diagnosed with bipolar, where you go through your manic episodes and your depressive episodes, Euphoria also touched on it. Shout out to Zendaya for getting that Emmy nom. That's so amazing. She was incredible. But yeah, I mean, it's it's things like this. Yeah, it's really shit for him. But as a culture, globally, as a community, we can start having these conversations. So that's a good thing. So what do you think needs to change about the culture in you know, Zimbabwe or just in Africa in general? Because I feel like there's a lot of discrimination that goes on within ourselves. For sure. I think Africa was colonized, right? So people came here and then drew borders on a map and all of a sudden we need to hate our neighbors or fear our neighbors because we don't know them. The truth is in Africa, we don't really know that much about our neighboring countries or our fellow African countries. We know Nigeria because, wow, the Nigerian people have done such an incredible job of putting themselves, their, their, art, their artists, their music on the map. But other than that, we don't really know our fellow African countries. And we make a lot of jokes about them, which is actually really sad. And so, I think personally my wish for us in Africa is for there to be less boundaries and less fears and less borders. There is such a thing of I'm South African, I'm Zimbabwean, I'm Ethiopian, I'm from Morocco. You know, it's actually, no, we're all African. Right. You know what I mean? And when you go to America, you feel it even more because it's like, yo, there is that longing for that ancestry and that connection to where home is, the motherland, you know? There you don't put the, the borders and boundaries of like, oh, that's, that's, that's that country. It's not, it's just Africa, right. you know? That unity of us coming together instead of fighting against each other, I think is something that's so needed. And I definitely respect you saying that and touching on that topic as well. How do you wish to see the future of Africa and just the future of like entertainment media in general? I think the entire world, especially the US, because the world, when it comes to entertainment, the world tends to look to Hollywood, right? And what you guys say, this is hot, this is dope. In the past few years, globally, people have started to give African talent the recognition they truly deserve. So whether it's Drake collaborating with a WizKid, or now very recently Beyonce with Black is King, and so much collaborating with African talent. I think the whole world is finally waking up to the fact that this is not the dark continent anymore. That is like lions running in the streets and we ride elephants to school because that's the kind of shit like people genuinely yeah, believe. Seriously. People are ignorant, you know? Yeah, and like, you can blame the education system or you can blame like just the lack of curiosity to learn for yourself. But people don't really know that much about the continent. Right. Um, but what's really exciting now is that they are waking up to it. They, they're waking up and they're like, actually, this is amazing. Because I feel like people have been adapting, like stealing little bits from our culture here and there for a really long time and not giving us the credit that we deserve. Right. You know, and now we are, we're getting it. We're getting the awards. We're getting nominated at the BETs, uh, at the MTV Awards, you know, so like Burner Boy winning, you know, these incredible BET Awards, WizKid selling at the O2 Arena. Things like this is like, yeah, and the diaspora claiming, uh, like, that's our people. We're going to buy the tickets. We're going to buy the merch. We're going to stream the music. And that's really exciting. That's just like, oof, I got goosies. It's like, 
It's exciting. It is. So how do you think, you know, other African female media personalities can command more money or respect dollar-wise? Command more money. We just don't talk about it. Right. The truth is we don't talk like MC to MC, rapper to rapper, artist to artist. We don't communicate about how much we're making. And that way brands, promoters, these big companies can get away with paying that one less because she actually doesn't know that I paid that one. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's so silly and it's so funny. And I know the comedians here in South Africa have a very open dialogue on how much they will accept, like the rates. It's kind of like a little union for comedians. <laughs> and I recently found that I was like, that's actually fucking great. Because here we are being shy, like, oh, snap. You know, she, she gets paid more than me. If I tell her I get paid this much, it'll make me look bad. And it's, you know what I mean? Right. Actually, if we had an open dialogue about our rates, people would learn, actually, I'm not going to accept so little i deserve this much because you actually have the money so it's an open dialogue and it's just knowing your worth and not settling for less if you have really great representation you do have a leg up because they won't accept peanuts for your talent and for your work and that's where i'm super lucky i have incredible representation and a great manager that's like because she also comes from the u.s she's like you're not going to do work for this much that's ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> not being afraid to ask for what you want because the male rappers aren't afraid to ask for what they want the, you know what I mean they're like this is what I want this is what I deserve done and that's big dick energy yeah, but with is. us it's like please sir if it's okay with you can we please come on please sir like, <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious how can the voice of Africa support your causes because you're a very vocal lady and you have a voice how can we help amplify that I just think, I don't know, sharing, sharing the content you're creating, sharing the stories that you're pushing out. That's why I started my company was that I saw there are no female owned production companies. Like, do you know what I mean? There's so few. And being a young person of color from another, oh, it's a helicopter. I don't know if you can hear that. Wild. Um, <laughs> I just looked around the space and I was like, why are there no young females of color doing what I'm doing? So I started doing that. And I think sharing, the, the narrative and the story that actually there are people doing that. So some girl from a small town can know, Kim did it, I can do it. You know what I mean? What Minnie's doing with her brand and her company and putting out her products, we've never seen that before. Rihanna's doing it, like that's amazing in America, but for us, it's not relatable. It's like, oh, it's Rihanna. You know, it's not, it's not tangible. It's not, you know what I mean? Where's Minnie is. So the more we have female women of color that are doing these incredible things and people are talking about it, like actually spreading the word, spreading the hype. That's how we're able to inspire the next generation to know it's possible. Because when Fenty skin dropped, we're all tweeted, oh my God, ASAP Rocky, oh my God, Lil Nas, oh my God. But when Minnie's doing stuff, are people sharing it and talking about it as much? We need to do it more. We need to support it more. So I think, yeah, that's how, you know, media houses and Voice of Africa and places like that can can help. It's just like celebrate us. And when we're doing cool things like, yeah, share it or retweet. Or that's all. I think that's all we could ask for. For sure. So yeah, we definitely have to stay in contact and we can help. You know, yes. Sure. Do you have any advice for any you know, youth that are following your footsteps? Just in general, what is the one thing you would say to them? One thing I would say to that? Yeah, so like the youth or any girl. To the youth? Oh, yeah. I love this question. It's a great one. It is 
find what makes you unique and different and own it. And that's not a, it's not the message we get from our parents or our teachers, right? The message we get is get a good job, get a stable income and work and no, no, no. And you do the traditional jobs, an accountant, a lawyer, a teacher, a doctor, that's going to make you money. That's how I know you'll be successful. Whereas I'm saying what makes you unique and what makes you different, that little gift and that voice inside you that's like, this is what gives me joy. Find it and nurture it and educate yourself with the right tools, the right knowledge, the right experience in order to grow that because that's what's going to make you special. That's what's going to give your life meaning and that's what's going to ultimately contribute to your community and your country. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's pretty much everything wrap it up over here. Thank you, Miss Kim, for joining us on our platform and talking about your business and, you know, your career. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Hey there. We hope you enjoyed this interview. And if you did, make sure you subscribe to our channel and leave a review. And if you already have, share this interview with anyone who might be inspired by it. Also, you can send us a review on how to serve you best. Join us in our next podcast where we discuss Nikki Simona's career.